0: seriously don't worry about your life how you'll pay the bills or what you'll be putting on the table for dinner or about yourself what you're going to wear life is more important than food and your body is more important than clothes just look at the birds they don't do nine to five they don't shop and they don't, save for a rainy day. And yet, God feeds them. No offense to the birds, but you are so much more valuable than them. Besides, who of us, by worrying, will actually live longer? The whole world chases these things, and your Father knows you need them. So follow Him, and all these things will but remember, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. We know that each day has enough trouble of its own. So don't worry. It's going to work out.
1: Amen. Good morning, Doris it is a pleasure, really, to have you here this morning. Uh, incredible job by the worship team. Incredible job with the special music and the choir. God is so good and so gracious. He really is. Well, listen, you know, but we are in the midst of a series, if you're visiting with us this morning, called The Pursuit of Happiness. And over the weeks, we've been sitting on the hillside with a Jewish rabbi named Jesus. And he is beginning his ministry, and he's sharing with his disciples, but a much larger group of people some already followers and some potential followers about who he is and how to have a relationship with him and then what life is all about. And we began learning it does start with a relationship that God incredibly invites us to a relationship with him through what his son Jesus Christ did on the cross. Not by some gigantic scale, not about being good or a certain denomination, but by the sacrificial death of Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, we later heard from Paul in the book of Ephesians. And so we heard that. And then we learned that we have a purpose. Brother Brent preached about salt and light. That when we come into this relationship, that we are given a whole new purpose in life. And that is, we are to be salt. We are to make a difference. We are to preserve and flavor life for those who are around us. And then also, we learned that we're light into a very dark world. Oh, you don't know the number of people that would love to know that God watches over them. You don't know the people who would love to know that even in the valley, God is good. People are hurting all around us. And we're to bring light into that hopelessness, light into that world that they are living in. And then he spent the entire rest of the time, the entire rest of the message, just talking about how to live that out. And we've heard everything from divorce and anger and and adultery. There's all kind of different topics about treasures and things like that. And today we lighted on a sermon or a part of the sermon entitled Don't Worry, Don't Worry. So I tagged in, Don't Be a Worry Wart. And so I thought it was so cool, you know, I was looking forward to preaching this message. And God does this every once in a while just to keep me humble, I think. Okay. so we're at the reception yesterday for, for the Valentines. And um got to tell you, Thursday was not a good day, uh, eating-wise. You all know that I like food, and it likes me, and all that. You know, you've heard that journey before. Well, well, Thursday was just one of those days when, you know, everything I walked by just said, eat me, you know. And, and so I did. You know, I I started out, I did pretty good for breakfast. You know, had the grits or something, you know, for breakfast. That was pretty cool. And and then um, Brent and I received this incredible plate of English Homemade toffee kind of thing, you know, brittle stuff, you know. And so Brent was more gracious than I. I took mine home. <laughs> he put his out, you know. So, Ladies, I'm putting this out so y'all can taste it. Well, I'm not a girl, but I figured, hey, I'm close enough, you know. And so I would sneak over every once in a while, of Brent, and get a piece, you know, and munch on it. And, you know, I, I guess I made like 25 trips to the plate before the day was over. And, and then, and then on, on, on one of the nights earlier, we had grilled some hot dogs and brats. And we don't only do that kind of stuff, you know, because like 18 grams of fat for a piece of meat this long, you know. And so for lunch, I went home and there they were. And I said, well, you know, do you want a brat? Yeah, I want a brat. So we ate 18 grams of fat plus the chips that went with that. And then I went back to the office afternoon and visited the plate again, you know. And so I'm just munching away, hoping he'll not notice how much of his candy is disappearing. And then, and then that was the night that, that Bill and Betty Browning invited us over for supper. And there are two things they're like famous for. And one is the ribs, and two is the most incredible ice cream. In the world. I mean, I mean, you just you have to have a cholesterol meter next to the ice cream when you eat it. And then you quit eating when the cholesterol meter reaches 500. You know, it's, it's like that. So so we had ribs and homemade ice cream, you know. And so I went home after church that night. That was our you know, Thursday meeting and had a little bit more of the ice cream, you know, really a bad day. And so I woke up on Friday and my like my guts are going, you're stupid. And do, you, do your guts ever talk to you? Well, my guts talk to me all the time. And they were saying, you're just incredibly stupid. I said, yeah, I know. I'll eat that. And boy, Friday, I was a good boy. I mean, I, I'm serious. I, you know, I was a really good boy. And, and so, I thought everything was going to be cool, you know. I thought everything was okay. My guts were going to forgive me, you know. Well, that didn't quite happen, you see, because about 11 o'clock, you know, I woke up, or actually about the time I laid down, I actually started. But I woke up, and man, my stomach was just hurting. How I many of you ever had an old-fashioned bellyache? We're not talking about nausea. We're just talking about your stomach hurts. Well, my stomach was just hurting. And, and so I got up, you know, and took some thoughts, maybe some tums would help, you know. And, and it didn't. I mean, I was up all night long with a stomach ache. I mean, literally all night long just hurting. Last time it happened, was on the way home from Africa. It just really hurt, and it was, got better a little bit in the morning, and so by the time I got to church, I was feeling a little bit better, you know, but still it was just hurting some, you know, and so I was telling this story to Tim and Tim Darty, and he said, you know, he said, well, Dwayne, like, you know, I'm afraid I've got an ulcer or something, you know. He said, like, are you stressed out or worried? And before I could stop it, I said, yeah, you know how life is. You know, I was. And then I remembered what I was preaching on. I looked at Tim, I said, I laughed and said, Tim Tim, God has this incredible sense of humor. So we're all subject to this thing called worry. And so God, isn't it cool that God, knowing where we are, was going to have this incredible part of the series and part of the message just for us today. Now, I don't know what you're worrying about, but God has an answer for it today. All right. So if your guts are talking to you, be sure and listen. Moral of the story, be sure and listen, all right? Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew in chapter 6, and we're going to look at this thing called worry and how Jesus taught about it 2,100 years ago, knowing we would need it today in 2011. Now, what we've got to do is, we've got to get... And by the way, this is like way applicable today. If I can halfway get it out... Way applicable. What we've got to do is, we've got to go back to Sunday night. Now, a lot of y'all weren't here Sunday night, so it'll be fresh for you, but if you were here, we've got to start because, see, Jesus gives us in verse number 25 the word therefore, and you always got to look back. So, this is the verse that proceeds. Verse 24 is the verse that proceeds. But it also tells us the root of the problem. Why are we such a worrisome people? And I really think we see the answer to that in verse number 24. So, here's the root of the problem. Jesus says in verse 24, No one... How many? No one. No one. No one. There are no exceptions to this rule. Okay? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or money, or the world. Okay? So Jesus is saying, you've got to understand something, is that you cannot serve two masters. You just can't do it. It's, the natural tendency is to love one, hate, despise, or be loyal. And then he says it for us. You know, these potential followers. Followers of Jesus. He says, you just can't serve two masters. You're, you're going to have to choose God, or you're going to have to choose the world. And this is the gift. Whatever master you choose will determine your worry level. Whatever master you choose is going to determine your worry level. Um, see, our tendency in America is that we want to marry Jesus and live with the woman down the road. Isn't that true? We want Jesus for the fire escape. We want Jesus for heaven. But then we want to go live with the person down the road and do the things the world says. And that, I think, really is. A lot of good believers, you know, people sitting on the hillside with the rabbi that day, can really identify with this. They say, oh yeah, that's what we want to do. You know, we want to have God, but we also want to have it the world's way. Now, and you have to choose your master, okay? And, and never again is it clear in that verse we use for so many different applications, and that's John 10.10. 10. Here, here's what Jesus says. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But, he says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. There's the two masters. You can have the master that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, Angie. You can have the master who wants to take away from you and hurt you. Or you can have the master that comes that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. One is a very beastly master, and one is a very benevolent master. But here's the deal. You've got to choose. And if you choose the benevolent master, you're going to find your worry level going down. If you choose the beastly master, because you can't have both, you're going to find your stress level up, you're going to find your worry level up, and you're going to find your peace level near zero. So the root of the problem is then, a lot of good people who follow Jesus Christ, who are are followers of Christ, find themselves committed to one master, but living for the other master. And you can, listen, it's when you and God, nobody's going to raise their hand and say, which master you live for? But I'm telling you, you need to get this one right. You may be a believer and have Jesus as Savior, but be living like you have another Master. So Jesus, with that background then, lays it down to do your part and let God do His. And that's when He says the word, Therefore, let's read it. Therefore I say to you, in verse number 25, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more valuable than they are? Now here's the deal. He's assuming that you've made the right choice. Because he begins teaching you how to have this relationship and this fellowship with the right master. He's assuming that you've chosen God and trusting Him as the master. So he says, therefore, do this. Now, now here's the deal. He said, listen, you do not have to worry about life's essentials. Eat, drink, clothes, those kind of things. But here's the problem. That does nothing for you. You don't know why? You're not worried about that. I tried to do the math. If we've got 300, and we do, we've got about 325, 30 people here today, probably 1% or 2% of you are worried about where the next meal is going to come from. Actually, I can think of a couple names. Most of us know that tomorrow morning, it may not be T-bone steak, but there's going to be something in the pantry. Most of us not too worried about what we're going to wear. Most of us have a place that we call home. We're not worried about that. Here's the gig. I want you to get this, guys. Listen. As believers in America in the 21st century, we don't worry about the big things as such as food, drink. That, that would apply to us. But well, you know what we worry about? Little foxes. Little foxes. Song of Solomon. We don't hear me sermons from the Song of Solomon. And you read it and you'll find out why. I haven't got my courage up yet. But in the midst of the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15, Solomon writes these words, Wayne Taylor translation. He says, it's the little foxes that spoil the grapes. And what he's saying is, the, the problem wasn't these monster-sized foxes that would come in and rob the grapes from the vine. It was the sneaky little pesky things, that was, the foxes that would sneak in and get the grapes. And I will tell you And today we live in, in America, and this church today, I'm telling you, it is the little foxes that cause most of our worry. It's the things that really don't matter that we make a big matter. Now, there are some. There's illnesses. There's marriages that are not going well. There's loss of jobs. But be honest. Isn't most of the things we worry about little things? Aren't most of the things we worry about things that in the scope of eternity will not matter anyway? So Jesus is saying, He's uh, he's implying, that's not even, it wasn't even on His radar to say, don't worry if you're going to get a new car next year. It wasn't on His radar to say, don't worry if you'll be able to retire when you're 62. That didn't even make His radar. He said, man, your, your tendency, if you're going to worry, at least worry about something significant, and like, do you have food tomorrow? You have a place to live. But in America, in Harrisburg, by and large, that's not a problem. So let it go is what I'm trying to say. Don't sweat the details, Dwayne. Don't sweat the details, Joe. Don't sweat the details, Sally. Let that go. That didn't even make the Sermon on the Mount. Just let it go. But what are the things that do matter? What about the things that, what if you are one of the one or two percent that really you don't know where you're going to sleep tonight? Or you don't know, your pantry really is down to saltine crackers and some peanut butter. Or what if the doctor said you have cancer? Or, Or what if you see your child going down this path and you see the red road lights flashing, the guard gates down, and they're going 900 miles an hour toward the crossing, and here comes the train. What about those things? As believers, what do we do with those? And here's what, here's the term that I came up with. Jesus in this Scripture is teaching us active dependence. Write that down if you're you're taking notes. Active dependence. In other words, we have a part, and God has a part. We have a part, and God has a part. Now, he uses the illustration of the birds, and let's read one more time just for clarity. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Now, what you don't see, here's what active, active dependence means. In the case of the birds, you don't see the bird, unless it's a baby bird, you don't see the bird sitting on a limb saying, okay, God, drop her in. You just don't see that. You don't see the bird waiting for God to bring the seed to him. Built into the nature of the bird is to go look for the seed that God has provided. See, we have a tendency in America, and really is an American problem, is that we say, okay, God, do this, and we want to stay with our arms crossed and wait for God to dump it on us. But God's Word, not just here, but over and over again, teaches an active dependence. It's not in the Bible. I'm not even saying it's true, that, that saying that God helps those who help themselves. Not saying that. I'm just saying that God has a role for us to play, and God has a role for Himself to play, and we've got to be aware of that and follow that. The birds do not have a barn. The birds don't have any of that. They simply are trusting God to provide the food and they go looking for the food. So I'm teaching you today, whether it's cancer, or whether it's where your next meal's going to come from, or I need a job, or I'm worried about my kids, or I'm worried about my marriage, you do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You do what God is calling you to do and helping you do and then leave the rest to God. Now, is the scriptural. Well, see, again, dependence is now, do you remember the Lord's prayer from last week? Give us this day our daily bread. Notice He didn't say, give us this day an annual supply. Did Jesus teach that? Did Jesus even say, give us, it's the first of the month, give us our monthly supply? Did Jesus teach, give us a weekly supply? Did He not teach that we are to ask God daily for our food? Do you want to know Why? Because God wants us depending on Him. And if we're not depending on God, we're not trusting God and we're not believing God. And God wants us to need Him. And that's the problem in America. So many Americans, they don't need God. Now, if the cancer word pops up, okay, we might need God. But by and large, we do life with the other Master. That things are going okay. This money, master, you know when things are going good? I can get what I need, what I want, to pay for the doctors and well care and all that. God, I'll call you if I need you. Wrong master. You need to trust a benevolence, master. So he says, give it to us this daily bread. Now take your Bibles and turn back to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. Come on now, I want to hear pages turning. The boys on the screen don't have this one. Exodus chapter 16, great stories. In verse 9, here's what it says. Exodus chapter 16, verse 9. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the children of the of Israel, the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near and before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, The glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Whoa, God shows up. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now the the guys have been complaining about the food supply. I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Say to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. You see that? You'll eat bread at night, excuse me, meat at night, bread in the morning, and you will know that I am the Lord your God because. I'm going to provide it for you. Watch this. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And the morning that dew, that dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said, What is it? And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let it... Now listen. "...that every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer or one quart, all right, for each person, according to the number of persons that every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. So when they gathered it by omers or by quarts, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's needs. And Moses said... Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was very angry with them. So what's the story? The story is, okay, you've got a need, I'm going to meet that need. But here's how I'm going to do it. I want you to go out every day and get the bread, the manna, every day. If you get too much, it's going to stink, I'm going to provide you enough. Don't get enough. The tendency is, don't get enough for one day. Get enough for five, just in case God doesn't come through. You get a daily dose. And when they did, it worked. And when they didn't, it stank. Children, hear me today. God is saying, trust me. Come on now, Baptist. God is saying, trust me. Because when we worry, and we do our way, and we do this and this and this, we're saying, God, I don't think you're going to come through. If I don't, it won't. But God is saying, the Benevolent Master is saying, do it this way, and I will come through for you. You do your part, God will do yours. T-bone's sake, I don't know. Don't know. He don't love your cancer? Don't know. I just know God is faithful. Even in the valley, God is good. Amen? All right, then then we move down to our next point, which says, much futility, little faith. He goes on. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? Now, great debate. The Greek is kind of fuzzy on this. Some people say, he's literally saying, which of you who'd like to be a foot taller can be a foot taller by worrying about it? The answer is nobody. Or, how many of you can add an hour of time to your life by worrying? We can't. Matter of fact, we lose hours. Okay? Either way you want to translate this fine. It works either way. Jesus is saying, by worrying, you can't change anything. Would you repeat that, please? By worrying, you can't change anything. That's why Jesus is saying, dude, it doesn't work. Quit beating your head against the wall. It doesn't work. Instead, he says this. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So once again, that do not mean a whole lot. you got to understand, back in this day and in Africa, if you've got two robes, you're a rich man. Our, our, our choice every morning is not, do I have something to wear? But what am I going to wear? We're like clothes poor. That's why the Mercy Corner has a bunch of clothes we buy and buy and buy and give and give. That doesn't apply to us. But I, but I thought about something this. I said, you know, I said, God, let's go back to those flowers you talked about. Because, you know, a flower comes up out of the ground, and according to its nature, it is what it is. Okay? For instance, a dandelion. Don't you hate dandelions? You cut them down, and the next day they're up. And if you look like Miss Alice, you know, who has a, like a gardener come to her yard... She doesn't have a dandelion. You know, and I've got like twenty-five. And my little dandelions get whacked off the next day, they're going,
0: I'm back.
1: You know, you hate them. But you know what that dandelion gets up. He's got this nice little flower. And that dandelion doesn't look over into the corner and go, I wish I was a rosebush. If you were to ask, if you were to ask the dandelion, he'd say, I'm I'm clothed finer than even Solomon. In all his finery. He is content to be what he is. And over here, you've got the rose. And the rose comes up with beautiful flowers. You don't see the rose going, I wish I didn't have thorns. The rose is content to be and would say, I'm, even with my thorns, I'm arrayed much finer even than Solomon. So Jesus says, don't worry about the wear. You know, don't worry how you're going to look. Be, here's the word, here's the word, here's the word. Be content with what you have. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. So much of our worrying is not about what we have, but what we want. Come on, Baptist. I, I said, I said, so much of our worrying is not about what we have, but what we won't. We're worried that we won't be able to get something new. If you've been reading my articles about what phone to buy, some of that's true. Jesus said, let it go. Just consider the, the lilies. This, this clothing thing is highly overrated, he says. Just be content. If God if God calls you to be a dandelion in his garden, Just let your little yellow flower come up and smile at everybody. If God blesses you and says you can be a rose in His garden, then just be the sweetest smelling rose you can be. But be content with what God has called you and given you. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. And again, so few of us can really identify with not having clothes. But in case that's you, just remember this. If God takes care of the flowers, don't you think you're more valuable than a dandelion? Don't you think you're more valuable than a thorny rose? And if God takes care of them, how much more is He going to take care of you? Amen? Alright, let's move a little further. It gets better. This is trust and obey. There, he's saying this therefore word. Therefore, do not worry. Say it with me. Therefore, do not worry. Do not worry. Now, again, if you've got a Bible, just so we're on the same page here, time out. If you've got a Bible with red letters, are they red? Who's talking? Jesus. It's not Bartholomew, one of those unknown disciples who's got to jump in here and give us some advice. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, who put it all together, who died on all rugged cross, that we could be followers of Jesus Christ. And he said, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? He says, leave that alone. And here's, watch this. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Remember the illustration about the master's? The benevolence master, the beastly master. This one gives. The good shepherd. This one still kills and destroys. The way the world does it. Do not do it. That's how the world, the world worries. The world frets. And when we worry and fret, who are we acting like? Who are we acting like? The world. That, that's just not cool. It's not cool scripturally. It's not cool with God. And it's just not cool, period. But when we have an active worry lifestyle, we're just looking at God face and saying, "You just aren't able." I mean, you're a big God and everything, but you understand my my problems. Listen, if I were the world and you created me, my problems so big it'd take you thirty days. I, I got big problems, God. But God is bigger than that, and God is able. And besides all that, Jesus says, your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You don't even have to tell Him. He knows. He knows all about it. Isn't that cool? Very cool. Now, I am fixing to give you the point. I am fixing to give you the application. I am fixing to give you the whole focus of the message on worry. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, you can go home and keep worrying, but you're going to end up like Brent with no hair. And of course, I'm right on path. I ain't a baby. We've been together 11 years. I had more hair when I came. (laughs) I'm on the same path. Here's the point. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things are going to be added unto you. If you're taking notes, and you should be about right now, if you want to change, number one, put God first. Put God first. Now, I'm not talking hypothetically. You know it's not the little cheery thing. I love Jesus, yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And they excited, "Oh, I love Jesus, yes, sir. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it in a very practical lifestyle way, put God first. If it's money, put God first. If it's time, put God first. If it's lifestyle, put. God first. If it's family, put God first. If it's marriage, put God first. If it's job, put God first. If it's career, put God first. If it's retirement, put God first. Put God first. Make Him your number one priority. And His kingdom, God first, and His righteousness. I remember Matt Wink, I think it was, still on the stage one day. And it may be Oshel. They said, righteousness is simply defined as right living. Now, you see the application here? Right in the middle of, do not worry, saying what we shall eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. That's how the world does it. Don't do that. For your Heavenly Father knows what you need. You need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first and live right and all these things will be added unto you. Put God first and demonstrate it by right living. I'm not talking about keeping the rules. I'm talking about if you have an anger problem, what did Jesus say about anger? If you have a tongue problem, what did Jesus say about the tongue? If you have a faith problem, what did He say about faith? I'm simply saying, take this wonderful book that we love so much and apply it. Do what it says. You don't get credit for coming to church as far as changing and make your life better. You don't get any points. Does this sound familiar? No points for getting on your athletic clothes and going standing and looking at the equipment at the gym. No credit for looking at the treadmill and saying, I bought a treadmill. And yes, the gallon of paint is still in the garage, if you remember that illustration. Still there holding the bird thing down. No credit for it. The stairs still need painting. The paint's still in the bucket. Put God first and apply His Word. Now, if you like deep teaching, it gets no deeper than that. It gets no deeper than that. You've got to do this stuff. Put God first. Do what He says. And all these other things are going to be added. What does that mean, Dwayne? And will be added. Either means A, the need's going to be taken care of. In America, this is really true. Or B, it won't matter anymore. It means that the needs to be taken care of in God's way, or it won't matter anymore. Because remember, what do we worry about? We worry about what kind of car I drive, what's my house look like, do my kids have the right labels, can I send my kids to the right school, Um, you know, can I get them in the right activities? Can I, can I afford all the different things they need as far as lessons for this and lessons for that, lessons for this and lessons for that? Um, um, let's see what else. Oh, oh, A need 55-inch from the Pine store from Mike. Woo, 3D, 240, LED. All those things may not look so big looking through the lens of God. Now, here's what's cool. Does God care what school your kids go to? Does God care what lay even? He's not against it. He's, 1 Timothy 6 says, God gives us all things to richly enjoy. See, God's not opposed to that stuff. He says, put me first. And then live out this stuff I'm telling you about, and either I'm going to take care of some needs for you, or those things that you think are important, aren't going to be apported anymore. Come on, someone say amen. That's pretty cool. See, sometimes God changes, and sometimes God cha- or changes us, and sometimes God changes our want-to's. I mean, my goodness, I really wanted to be six foot tall. I didn't get that out to my statue. <laughs> didn't happen. Sometimes God gives us more abundantly than what we even asked for. And then he says this. By the way, he would say, and by the way, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. By the way, worry doesn't work. And for goodness sake, don't worry about tomorrow because you might not even be around. You've got sufficient things to be concerned about. And by the way, I meant to say at the beginning, I'm not talking about being, you know, there's a good concern. You know what I'm talking about when I say worry. Okay? There's sufficient things to be worried about, concerned about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It may not even come. There you go. That's it. Would you like something more? This is one of those times. Paul just... Paul, looking back on Jesus' throne on the mount several years, just gives us a whiz-bang conclusion. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes we preachers come up with this incredible, you know, like stuff and go... How do I apply it, Dwayne? I mean, Jesus gave the application, but do you got anything else? Is that all you got? Take your Bibles, or look on the sermon sheet, or look on the screen, and look at Ephesians chapter four, verse six through nine. This is real quick. This is not preaching it. This doesn't need preaching, but this is something you take home. All right, three things you can do to help your worry level. Three things you can do to help your. Say it with me. Three things you can do to help your worry level. Here you go. Number one. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, he says. Does that sound familiar? But in everything, how much? Does that mean the the huge things? Come on. Does it mean the little foxes? Yeah, it means everything, okay? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul says the first thing you do is you're going to stop worrying and start praying. Now, you've got to get this, guys. We preached it last week, I believe it was, about prayer. Prayer is not falling down and saying, okay, God, here's my to-do list for you. da 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 Prayer is so much more about intimacy with God, trusting God, believing God, loving God. And fall on your face before God and say, God, I love you. You know these needs. Twice already, Jesus has told us. He's told us in the Lord's Prayer. He told us again, you already know this stuff. I don't need need 9,000 people on 18 different prayer lists to tell you what the need is. You know what the need is. What I need, God, from you is strength to trust you. Peace in the midst of my storm. Because God, Jesus' half-brother, said... Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, whom there is no variability or shadow of turning. So we know you're a good God. It's not like you're going to give me a rock, God. You're not. I trust you. Help me to trust you. So when you're tempted to worry, you're gonna pray. Pray. When you're to, when you're tempted to worry, you're gonna pray. Okay, that's still weak. I wonder why, Mary. I heard your voice. Let's try over here. When you're tempted to worry, you're gonna. Hey, that's better. God, you know, by the way, I didn't go to the last point. When all else fails, tick. Jesus says, what's tick? I said, tongue in cheek. You heard the story, didn't you? Oh, the guy was sick in the hospital. And the pastor came in. He came visit for a few months. He goes, well, brother, let me pray for you. And the guy goes, oh, no, has it come to that? You really know what prayer becomes? The last resort? Oh, God, has it come to that? No. When we're tempted to worry, we're going to pray. And we're going to tell God, God, you already know the details. Help me to trust you. Help me to have faith in you. Help me believe you. Because God, I know you got what's best for me. Help me be willing to accept that. Pray. And then the second thing we can do is think right. Now I don't want to sound like Joel Olstein here. Okay? All right, but watch this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, there be any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think right. Come on. I mean, Paul wrote that. Cut out the stinking thinking. So many times we are self-fulfilling prophecies. We think it until it is. It's so cool in the context. Don't don't worry, don't worry, pray, think right. Paul said this way, take every thought captive. And by the way, what do you think your adversary, the devil, is going to be feeding your brain when you're in the midst of a crisis? Whether it be self-made, as in, he's got a new car and I don't, God, you must not love me, or the doctor says the C word. He's going to be telling you, if it's a jealousy thing, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. If he did, you'd have two new cars. It's the C word. God's not able. He's too busy worrying about Africa to worry about you. The liar will lie. Say it with me, please. The liar will lie. Now listen to him. Fill your mind with the things that are pure and noble and right and just. Just like the Word of God says. So we're going to pray. We're going to think right. Watch this. Slam bam finish, Paul gives us. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Without the doing, you don't quit worrying. Without the doing, things don't change. Without the doing, things don't change. Whatever you've heard and seen and received and saw, do these things. Watch this promise. And the God of peace will be with you. How about that? How about that? Pray. Think. Believe it and do it. Leave into it, it. And you start applying these things to your life, and you might, I might, find my worry level going way, way, way down. And I meant what I said, by the way, just in case you're wondering, was I being facetious? I handle big things really well. Little things, I handle horribly. Whether it's at church, at home, or family, I know about little things. Boxes. They regularly visit my vines and eat my grapes. I know what I'm talking about. And the reason I think probably that's true in so many of our cases is because we understand that we need God for the big stuff, but again, we think we can handle the little stuff. Or we don't want to bother God with the little stuff. God says, bring it on. If it's important to you, it's important to me. I've got big shoulders. I can handle. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? So what are you going to do with this today? I just thought this... Can I just tell you what I said to God this morning? As I finished studying, I said, God, this is a beautiful sermon. Not because I'm... Now, you know that. Not because of me. But I've been on the hillside of the Jewish rabbi, Jesus. And I can't believe the the incredible wisdom. Well, yeah, I can because He's God. (laughs) The incredible wisdom of this. And I know the world we live in, guys. If we were all honest today, and we won't be that honest, every one of us would flock to this altar and say, God, it's me. Some, some, it is the big ones. And we just want to come to God. And by the way, let me just say this right now. The altar is open this morning. Our brother Dave is back with us, Dave Parrott. He's got a long road to hoe for this treatment for his cancer. Brother Reister is back there in the back, Ron Reister are Reister's back there with his two new knees. Brothers, uh, Paulie's son, Steve, blown off a roof, crushed pelvis. Board hits him in the face and breaks his face. Surgery probably tomorrow. Big things marriages, children, parents, having to say goodbye to a parent, having to place parents in long term care. God knows and God cares. Trust Him with that. Little foxes, come on. Don't we worry about it. Don't we worry about it. I pray today that as followers of Jesus Christ, we'll lay it down. One of my young sisters shared with me this morning about a young man, I think his name was Kevin. Seventh grade dies of an asthma attack. Big things. Little things. Our God is able. Pray, think, do. Pray, think, do. Pray, think, do. And the God of peace will be with you. Father. In my way of thinking, as a simple man, you outdid yourself today. Jesus, I bet every head lifted up as you were preaching on the mount that day. When you, when you said, do not worry, you got everybody's attention. When you pointed those birds flying over, over the sky and said, look at them, you got everybody's attention. When they looked at the flowers of the field around them, you got everybody's attention. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you've got our attention today. Father, we worry, worry, worry. Sometimes big and sometimes small. But all that points to, not trusting you. Help us, God, to take that step of faith, to believe you and trust you. Now, Father, our, our tendency is, our tendency is to worry. So we're going, we're going upriver up on this one. We're like a salmon flowing against the stream. But God, we do believe you're able.